0: Hi everyone, this is Brad Thomas with The Ground Up, and I'm back again with another CEO uh, roundtable interview. And today I'm joined with Jamie Farr. Jamie is the CEO of City Office REIT, and the ticker symbol is CIO. Jamie, it's good to see you today.
1: Good to see you too, Brad. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. Well, of course, you're in the office, which is no surprise, uh, the CEO of City Office. Uh, Jamie, You've got a really unique business model at least within the, our coverage spectrum and the office sector, um, you you call your business model the 18 hour you know uh, city uh, landlord, I guess. Uh, can you explain exactly what is an 18hour city?
1: So go- going back over time when we launched this business brand, what we saw was, uh, great cities that weren't 24-hour cities like New York and San Francisco, Los Angeles, but kind of the next tier down, where it's a live-work-play environment. Ie, you know, people are, are out active 18 hours a day. There's a downtown core that's vibrant, uh, places that are really high growth. And the model we built was let's invest in kind of the 50 to 100 million per building size within these cities. High-growth cities get great locations. Uh, places that we've seen huge increases in population and employment, you know, high quality of life. So think, you know, in Florida, Tampa, Orlando, Dallas, Denver, Phoenix, San Diego, uh, and really built our business around kind of the next tier down where we see much better valuations.
0: Great. And, And a lot of those cities that you mentioned, I mean, Dallas, Denver, Phoenix, Orlando, Tampa, a lot of those are cities that are certainly in vogue right now, given the pandemic and we cover the, you know, the entire office sector. So, uh, you know, New York city, San Francisco, some of these urban markets that are under tremendous amount of stress. So what are you seeing and what have you seen develop in 2020 and now 2021 uh, in terms of customers that are companies that are moving to, you know, to these markets that you are uh, investing in?
1: So so initially, I mean, the shock that we felt was the same as every other market, right? Everybody just basically went home, stopped going to the office. Uh, We had to reconfigure our own model to make sure that we could uh, get through the pandemic in a strong way, which we did. Uh, But basically stepping back, what happened after kind of a year ago right now Uh, people started to relocate to a lot of the cities. And whether they may still be based in New York, Boston, uh, San Francisco, they started heading to much nicer places. And, And those places, as far as business today, you know, restaurants are busy, people are outside, you know, they're very active. And so we've seen a huge flood of people temporarily coming into our cities and companies kind of rethinking where they want to be long term. And when you look at the affordability of the places where we invest, there's a lot of reasons why they should thrive. And so uh, what we've seen as far as leasing uh, picking up across our markets, it's starting. We're starting to get a lot more tours. Uh, You know, I would say at the end of last year, it was still slow. But getting into January, February, uh, we've seen a lot more interest in moving to our cities, touring our buildings. Um, uh, and I think that's a big difference from a lot of the bigger cities, gateway cities, New York. And so, you know, I'm a big believer New York's going to be fine long-term. I think there's going to be a lot of pain short-term, particularly when you think about the number of people who are living there that have to pay high state tax, city taxes, they can move to a much more favorable environment, save money. Uh, and I think we're really well positioned to benefit from that over time. Great.
0: Well, let's, I want to dig in if you could Jamie into, into your, uh, fourth quarter, and, and also, you know, 2020 uh, results. Um, obviously, there was, uh, I think, no, no REIT was uh, immune from this pandemic. But uh, how do you feel about kind of 2020? Now that that's in the rearview mirror, uh, kind of can you reflect on some of those highlights, I guess, for, for the year last
1: year? So surprisingly enough, last year, we did the most leasing we've ever done in the history of our company. And I guess what we're seeing, you know, if if you were to talk about people, even today, some of the media reports you see of, you know, uh, tenants are not going back to the office. They're happy working at home. We're hearing a very different message uh, from a lot of our leasing teams. And so uh, tenants typically will hire their own leasing brokers who are going to go out and look for the best space for them. And the message they're getting from a lot of their clients is, It's not vogue today to be telling employees they're going back to the office, but that's exactly what leadership want. And so there's gonna be cases where people are gonna work from home, there's gonna be more part-time working from home, but generally the message we're seeing is companies want their employees back together for all the magic that happens. You know, supervisory, being able to collaborate, mentoring younger employees, all these things are huge for a company's culture. And so we're seeing that kind of roll forward. Um, You know, for us last year, it was a a tough year initially when all of a sudden everything froze. The phone started ringing, where every tenant basically didn't want to pay rent or were asking, hey, are you prepared to to not receive rent? We had to really adapt to that. uh, And we've had great results. We've had 99% of our tenants pay rent in 2020. Uh, You know, we've had a few small little companies that that didn't make it, but 99% survived the pandemic and are doing well. We've had a big pickup in the number of people who are coming back to the office. That's starting to accelerate. I think as vaccines continue to roll out, we're going to see that pick up even more. So the narrative and theme of the office is dead is not what we're seeing. We're feeling very good about that. And so getting into 2020, we had very high collections. We got a lot of bigger leases done. Uh, I think in the system, there's been a lot of companies kind of kicking the can trying to do short-term extensions and keep their options open and figure out what they're gonna do. And so as a company, what we've tried to do is take our vacancy that we have, invest in it, create great spec suites, kind of similar. You can see the background, what we have here, great space that it's move-in ready. And so as tenants are coming back and deciding where they wanna be long-term, they've got great options that we can uh, give to them quickly and it works well for us as well. So we're seeing a good year last year, the last two quarters, we've had dividend coverage. We did right size our dividend about a year ago as part of our, our pandemic plan. We lowered our overall leverage. We drew down a whole bunch of cash from our lines so we knew we could make it through. Um, the, the pandemic, which we did. And so we also decided to buy back some of our stock at, at low prices as well. So we took a number of steps, Brad, to really optimally position ourselves. It's been a tough year, but results are starting to show that that uh, all the steps we've made are paying off.
0: Great. Well, I think you've got uh, occupancy, I think last re- reported about 90%. So um, and I know traditionally, I've looked at city office kind of through the lens of this value add. I know you've bought some buildings with lower occupancy and historically have, have ramped that occupancy up to create the value. So at 90%, do you see some upside there within the portfolio to uh, increase occupancy from, from the internal growth engines?
1: Yeah, so, so that's a huge driver of bottom line cash flow for us because we're already paying virtually all of our expenses. So when you look at our portfolio stabilized, we think 93, 94 is where we've been in the past. That sort of level uh, is absolutely achievable as we're coming back into a bit better releasing market.
0: Great, now uh, in terms of 2021, uh, I wanna talk about the growth of the you know external growth, but can you first touch on the balance sheet and kind of what, kind of, what type of capacity do you have uh, to expand uh, currently in 2021? Now, I know you cut the dividend, about a third in 2020 uh, due to the pandemic. Uh, so you've got a little bit of cash flow there, obviously uh, from 94 cents to 60 cents, but how, how are you capitalized to grow externally going forward?
1: So we're, we're in great shape right now. So we have a number of our properties are unencumbered. We have a $250 million uh, available line of credit that we've drawn. Uh, I have to take a look. I think we're around 75 million drawn. So we've got significant dry powder. Uh, And we've intentionally kept that on the side as we're coming back into more of an acquisition environment. Um, What I've been seeing is kind of counterintuitive, to be honest, is the cap rates on transactions that have been happening in the market are very low, meaning valuations are extremely high right now. And what's happened is the number of properties that are being brought to market have been pretty far and few. And so what's coming is typically very safe, stable, long-term leases, and valuations are at kind of pre-pandemic levels for those assets. And so what I think we're going to see now, uh, the bank financing market starting to improve, and that's a key aspect of buying buildings and as that continues to you know, kind of move down the spectrum to some assets that maybe have a little more heavy lifting, a little more value add, uh, that'll open up that market. And I think later in the year, you're going to see a lot more transactions coming back to market. And so in our own internal guidance, uh, we've we've circled kind of 100 million of acquisitions this year. In our low case, we put zero on the assumption things are really slow. In the high case, hundred. Uh, but we put it at the very end of the year, so there isn't a lot of uh, income from those acquisitions baked into our numbers. And we think that's a conservative way to look at it. We do have a number of deals we're looking at right now and opportunities, but uh, we're being really cautious. One of the big shifts uh, for us is when we look to buy real estate, we go through every inch of the building many, many, many times. And we look and see Who's using the space? Do they have room to grow? Are they, you know, in too much space? And in future, when their leases come up, we use all that information to model what we think is going to happen to that cash flow. It's expensive when tenants move out, and so we really try to dial in and understand that. Today, you know, when 20% of the building is being utilized, it's really hard to underwrite an asset accurately, and so you can value it at a cheaper valuation to account for that risk, uh, or it's better to hold back a little bit and see and make sure you understand what you're buying. And that's what we've been doing. And so I think later in the year, we're going to see much better opportunities.
0: Right. And in in terms of your your geographic footprint, um, do you anticipate expanding into other markets? Um, You know, I know you've got a pretty nice base, you know, in the Southeast, but I did see some markets that aren't uh, that you're not in, uh, for example, I don't think you're in Charlotte yet. Uh, for example, um, Atlanta, uh, Raleigh, Durham. I'm just curious: have you, have you, are you going to look to expand the footprint, or just maintain the current footprint?
1: So we've slowly expanded over the last seven years, and and the cities you mentioned are all ones we continue to look at. Uh, Nashville's another one that we love. Austin, uh, we've had experience in in kind of prior lives in Austin. We love the fundamentals of Austin. It's very expensive. So it's all about finding the right opportunity, Uh, but we do intend over time to intelligently expand and typically we'll buy a building or two initially, get into the market and then slowly build up on top of that where we start getting economies of scale.
0: Great. Last question I wanna ask you, uh, as I recall, you internalize the company at, and, and what I would say is early in early innings. I, I think it was around three hundred or four hundred million. I may be wrong, so you you correct me if I'm if I'm uh, inaccurate. But uh, I know you've internalized the company. Can you talk a little bit about your decision to internalize? Because I know that's a that's important for me, and I think a lot of investors is to have you know an internal uh, management platform.
1: So I guess when we went public, uh, we were very small, and we did need. An external contract to kind of put parameters around what administration and gna would be costs and we tried to structure it in a way that was very transparent very friendly for shareholders and ultimately as we went out to the investor community the amount of pushback we got from larger investors was far greater than we ever expected and so we went public about 20 percent of our stock was held by institutions by retail and valuation wise that started to put a cap on us. And so the more meetings we had after that, the more feedback we had, look, we love your strategy. We will not buy an external managed company because of the bad history with them. And so we made a decision, like you said, Brad, to accelerate that. We internalized, I think it was in less than three years, um, at a much smaller number. And what's happened from that is we've switched from 80% retail to 80% institutional. Now that's, is that a great thing? There's pros and cons, Uh, but there was much more appetite from larger investors who I think translate to a higher multiple of what we can get on our stock. So it made sense to do it.
0: Great, well, uh, closing thoughts there. I think you can have your cake and eat it too on the institutional and the retail side. And one way to do that, of course, is to pay monthly dividends. Um, And uh, one of your, uh, uh, I guess indirect peers, Stag, who also invest in secondary markets and industrial. They do a great job at paying monthly dividends. So maybe that's uh, that's something for you and your board to think about in the future. But um, uh, at any rate, I want to um, thank you for your time today. And uh, I'm glad to see that you know recovery is well underway for city office. And uh, we're going to probably circle back in to uh, speak with you again after the first quarter results. Uh, so uh, look forward to seeing you then. Our pleasure. Thanks very much, Brad. Have a great day.
1: Thank you very much. Bye-bye.